Welcome to the Whiskey After Work podcast. This is where booze meets business. I'm Doug Shaw, owner of Peach State Business Brokers and Advisors. And I'm Melissa Hergert, owner of Brain Train Centers. We are serial entrepreneurs that love to learn from other successful professionals and love to drink whiskey. Hello, Melissa. Hello, Douglas. Welcome to episode 15. 15 already? Yes. Sheesh. Of the Whiskey After Work podcast. Brought to you by... Brain Train Centers. Keystone Realty Group. And Peach State Business Brokers and Advisors. And, and Three Strands. Yes, Three Strands Vineyards again this week. Yes. Can't it's think, beautiful here. Can't thank these folks enough for letting us use the facility as yeah. we start to search for our new podcast home since our other one disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get the pleasantries out of the way early. Uh, yeah. This should be a pretty tame episode, I would hope. We're going to be good. We'll try to behave. I mean, I'm going to drink wine, so I can't promise. Wine does things to yeah, me. Yeah, this is a wine episode. But this is the end of the episode. Though. Okay, fine. When I'm off the microphone. <laughs> this is a wine episode. And uh, yeah, if uh, if we say any uh, say anything that's offensive to you, it's the opinion of the idiot that said it and mm-hmm. not of anybody that's sponsoring us or anybody else on the show. And or three strands, especially right. three strands, especially unless Jason strands. says we'll it. We'll be good. We'll be good. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, so we got that out of the way. Done. Okay. Done. So this is a wine episode. Uh, we have with us today Jason Summerauer. He's the uh, owner of Three Strands Vineyards in Dallas, Georgia. Um, yes. Yeah. A good friend of Whiskey After Work. Uh, he's he's helped us with some of our charity events yeah. and some of our tastings and things like that. And uh, Jason's a Georgia guy. He uh, he grew up in uh, Forsyth County, up in Cumming, Georgia. Yep. Um, country it, boy. Yeah, when it was still the country. Now it's all grown up in subdivisions and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, so grew up up there. He uh, went to school in the Atlanta area. Um, I think, what did you go to Southern Poly? I did. Yeah, yeah twice. So, twice. <laughs> I went to it the first time. It was Southern Tech. And uh, got a mechanical engineering degree, and then I went right back in and got a master's in computer science, and it nice. changed names to Southern Polytechnic. Yeah. They spent $250,000 to hire a firm to come in to yep. rename the place. And I remember. It was Southern Tech, and then they changed it to Southern Polytech. And I'm right. Like, I'd have done it for 200 Right. <laughs> so I would have done it for $2,000 as a college yeah. student. So, uh, Seriously. He's... Uh, he's He's been in the software engineering field for a long time. Uh, I, was with, I think you were with the Weather Channel for a while, weren't you? Mm. I was. I was. Uh, started out at Lockheed, then I went to the Weather Channel, and uh, then they were acquired by IBM and uh, currently at IBM. So, and then, you know, that leads to things like um, getting married and having kids and opening a vineyard. Exactly. <laughs> because, I mean, Duh. what does every software engineer right. do in his spare time? He <laughs> learns how to not? grow grapes and make wine. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. Of course. So, uh, yes, yeah, there's three strands out here in Dallas, Georgia. Um, so, it's uh, an award-winning vineyard. He doesn't fool around. Nope. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I'm very focused. <laughs> I'm an engineer. I mean, what can I say? And uh, so with that, I think I'm going to let Jason introduce himself a little bit, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, appreciate having you and Melissa out uh, today, Doug, and uh, glad to share our facilities with you guys. Um, Love what you're doing with this podcast. I love, um, in general, what you do to raise money uh, 
for certain causes and uh, have, a, have a lot of respect for you guys for that. So it's always a pleasure to get together um, in this scenario and, and with you guys and uh, enjoy wine or uh, a little bit of bourbon from time to time. And mm-hmm. so, um, so, yeah, welcome. Um, you want me to start with kind of how I got into this business? You talk about yeah. whatever you want. I want to okay. hear that. All right. So uh, my wife and I went on a date um, a little over six years ago to uh, a wonderful vineyard and winery and tasting room in Bremen, Georgia called Trillium, uh, owned by Bruce and Karen Cross. And uh, really wasn't all that much into wine, just wanted to take my wife to a nice nice place for a, a good date. Good job. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, got to get my brownie man. points while, while I, where I can. Notes. Well, is he, and if you ever meet his wife, Erica, it's just like everybody else we've had on the show. Yeah. Out kicked his coverage. Yeah. So yeah. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Okay. Good uh, job. Agree 100%. <laughs> so we had their wines and um, I had, a, you know, I'd had some decent wines in the past, but I really couldn't um, get over how, how good they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the end of the evening, I pulled Bruce aside and I said, hey, I was like, you really made these wines from those grapes out there and he's like yeah and I was like I didn't know you could do that in Georgia like I thought it was all California mm-hmm. and um so I asked him I said hey I've got some property in in Dallas and Paulding County and uh I'm thinking you know now what I want to do with it when I retire and this may be something that you know maybe I could do I said do you mind if I come back you know in a couple of weeks when you have time and just bend your ear and learn a little bit about what it takes, you know, to, to make it in this industry. And he says, yeah, sure. Wow. So went back and, um, talked with him. He spent three hours with me, um, just giving me, just dumping his wisdom upon me. Mm-hmm. And the last question I asked him, I said, is there anything that you regret about getting into this industry? Which I thought was a smart question. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, yeah, the only thing I regret, and I think he was in his mid sixties at the time, uh, is not doing it at your age. And I was wow. about 45 at the time. And I was like, well, that's a good answer. <laughs> so uh, my wife, Erica, and I, uh, with some friends, went out to Napa, spent several days out there, just thoroughly enjoyed it, and just kind of immersed, immersed ourselves in everything, the wines, the venues, um, you know, the food, the people are just fabulous out there. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're like, okay, we've got to recreate this back in Paulding County. And uh, that was kind of the start of it. And, uh, you know, when I decided to do something, I'm in, you know, 100%. So you went six years, six years ago. When did you actually start it? So we, it, it, we started planting about six years ago. Wow. And so we right started right. planting. And I'm sorry, I'm OCD, and this is not <laughs> right. Uh, so we uh, planted, you can't see it in the camera, but um, to the left of us is our crimson cab block. Uh, that is our reds, and that's an acre of vines. There are 600 vines uh, in that acre. And uh, so we planted that, and then the following year we planted the other block um, that you pass when you mm-hmm. uh, enter the venue. Those are called Blanc du Bois. And so, um, and we're going to plant about four more acres over the coming years. We've got mm-hmm. enough room to plant about four more acres. So cool. Um, but this is all that we can handle right now as a family. Um, mm-hmm. Now that we're open for business, doing very well, we can. I'm starting to train help in the vineyard um, to so that when we plant more acreages of grapes to to make more estate wines, we've got the assistance we need to manage it well. Um, so I'm a perfectionist, and you can. I wanted people to uh, 
to see that in the vineyard, in the tasting room, in the winery, everywhere they look. Um, I, I just wanted to recreate what's in Napa. Mm-hmm. You did. Thank you. You've been to Napa, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, if, if you like wine and you've never yeah. been to Napa, get your ass on a plane <laughs> and go. So I it dated a guy amazing. from Hildsburg, which is in like Santa Rosa, right oh, below okay. Napa. And yeah. he had friends that had um, vineyards and they were like organic vineyards. And we would oh, wow. just go out and drink grape from, from them. Well, you mentioned... Right. Get it right from the grapes. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many bottles can you get out of an acre of grapes? So once it takes about five to six years for uh, a vine to, to mature to mm. a point to where it's maximized its yield for each year. Wow. And this year, I think we've kind of, this is going to be the biggest harvest we, we've ever had for the Crimson Cab. Um, last year, we harvested... Um, you get about 160 gallons uh, per ton of grapes. And so each 160 gallons, you multiply that times five because you get five bottles per gallon. Um, that's about 800 bottles per ton. Wow. So uh, last year we harvested a little over two tons. So we ended up with about 1,600 bottles of bread. For your wow. state wine, yeah. For our state wine. and, and that's actually a lot of bottles for <laughs> an acre. Like it's yeah. way more than most people. It was way more than I thought Expected. you would get when I yeah. was talking to Bruce. Yeah. And I was, and so, so to give you an um, understanding of how different varietals produce differently. So that was for our Crimson Cab, our Blanc Dubois, our White produces way more. So we, you know, that's one year behind the Reds, and last year we ended up with. Um, we ended up with like four, four and a half tons. So that's about 3,600 bottles of wine. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, different varietals produce different amounts of, of, of uh, clusters. Some varietals have big clusters, some have small. Mm-hmm. The berries on the clusters, some are big, some are small. Mm-hmm. It, it just, and then year to year, because we've, get, we've, uh, been hit by frost in the past Mm. um that affects that will kill the buds and each vine has a uh, primary secondary and tertiary bud well Mm. the primaries come out first if they get killed by frost then the secondary will come out but secondary and tertiary shoots typically aren't as fruitful Mm. so um Frost can be very devastating to the vineyard. You will lose a, a major amount of uh, <laughs> of fruit uh, if you if you get hit by frost. It doesn't so. happen that often in Georgia, though, does it? Mm-hmm. It yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And you hear it with like you know um, down down in the south with uh, peach growers and you know a blueberries. Lot of blueberries. Blueberries. Got hit last year, real oh, hard. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So it's a it's a real struggle, uh, and that's just one one facet of the business. <laughs> yeah. We're we're really running three businesses here. We're we're running a vineyard, we're running a winery, and we're running a tasting room. Right. And um, I have to have a staff for for each. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 Definitely. So you know Georgia is. Um, I never thought of Georgia as a wine growing state, but there, we've got a ton of wineries in the state, a ton of vineyards. And, yeah, uh, we're, we're well over. So I serve on the board of Georgia Wine Producers, and the last stat that I remember from earlier this year, um, 
we're well over 100 vineyards and I want to say we're around 60 or so um, wineries really? so, so some people are just growing and selling grapes some are yeah there's different business models yeah some just have vineyards some just have tasting rooms and some have um, wineries some have all three hmm. um, and so it's just just depending on kind of what the business model is you know uh, as, to, as to what they are have. you the only one out here did I miss that no no, there's actually, we're, it's start, starting to pop up. We've got, oh. we've got, what, one more in county. Um, yep. Some good folks yep. up in North Paulding. Qualusi. Yep. Qualusi, yep. yep. And uh, you'll see them out here drinking wine. You'll see Jason at their Qualusi. place That's drinking very wine. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, support That's kind other. of the cool thing about this industry. Um, we all help each other. That is cool. That's um, not very common in most industries. It's not. It's, it's, very, it's very pervasive across mm-hmm. the entire state. Um, you know, uh, it is, there's so much to know, and we really need more vineyards and wineries to start creating more wine trails across right. the state. Right, yeah. That uh, it's really in our best interest to help new vineyards and wineries get mm. established. There was, a new, there was a new vineyard winery that opened um, out here in Polk County um, just a couple weekends ago, mm. and I noticed that all the Georgia winery and vineyard pages that I follow on social media all were promoting that opening. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And so West Georgia, um, you were telling me before, West Georgia actually has a pretty rich winemaking history. It does. It does. Um, There was, uh, back in the late 1800s, there was a Hungarian colony uh, just west of here. Um, Let's see. I was trying to remember what the, the community was called. Um, it's, it's out in Tallapoosa, actually, was where it's yeah. located. But there was a little hungry, I think, is what they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a group of um, coal miners from Pennsylvania that were convinced to come down. If they came down to plant a vineyard, they were given, um, I want to say, about 10 acres. It was either 5 or 10 acres. And, uh, and then they would help each other plant the, the vineyards and just get them established. And they were producing um, wine, like for the entire eastern seaboard, hmm. uh, in the late 1800s, and were doing very well. Um, and then, lo and behold, uh, good old prohibition came, and uh, of course that devastated them. They had they had about 5,000 acres of grapes planted. Like that's how oh, much. God. Wow. So they dug up the vines, burnt them. The government um, did that, right? Oh, the government, yeah. Goodness. Some of them went back to Pennsylvania uh, to, to have, find some semblance of a life back in the coal mines. Some stayed. Um, but there's a uh, little Budapest. It wasn't a little hungry, a little Budapest. Mm-hmm. But there's a graveyard still over in Tallapoosa. Um, it's a Hungarian graveyard of the, those people that lived here. And you can go visit it right now. Mm. Um, so it was, it was a thriving industry until Prohibition came. And uh, unfortunately, it turned our lives upside down. Mm. And then that history and that knowledge was was lost for decades until you know the late late seventies early eighties. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So. But now we're back. Yeah, back. we're we're back Coming with the force. Back. And another thing that a lot of people don't don't realize, you know, they don't really think about it. I, I didn't until I really got into this industry. But Georgia was founded. They, they just the English justified founding Georgia as the thirteenth colony because they thought that they could plant wine grapes here and compete with um, France and Italy and other European countries 
um, as well as silk. So Canton got its name from Cantonese because they were trying to plant a lot of silk there. Mm. So um, before, before wine on the West Coast, it was all on the East Coast. That's where it all started because the original 13 colonies and it all started on the East mm-hmm. Coast. And then it's made its way through Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, Arizona, California, and then Oregon oh. and, uh, and Washington State. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool history to kind of relearn <laughs> that few that people know about. Fun. So what's been the hardest part of this so far? Uh, capital. Yeah, this is the, uh, an incredibly capital-intensive business to start. Mm. Um, we were very blessed. Um, we had uh, invested in some land back in the big downturn during the Great, Re- Great Recession. Um, and so we had been saving our money up. We had that and basically sold that land and liquidated it as we needed as we were building this place out over um, several years. And uh, I tell people, it's like, we, we landed the plane on fumes. I mean, we really did. It's like, when we opened our doors for business, it's like, well, <laughs> mm. we don't have any more money left. So I'm, I'm glad we, we were able to at least open the doors. <laughs> but, um, but we ended up filling a huge void that we really didn't realize was in this area. Mm-hmm. You know, a place for a, um, a really classy and upscale place that's a family-friendly mm-hmm. venue. Um, that's not a bar scene, um, but it's just a relaxing place where uh, classy people, but they're laid back and relaxed. Yeah. Uh, In a beautiful setting in nature. And uh, when we opened was right when it was towards the tail end of at least the first phase of COVID and people were getting their vaccines. They were, had been cooped up for, you know, uh, over a year and they wanted to get out. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was actually a perfect time to open, mm. uh, which was April of 2021. So, and it um, really is beautiful here. I mean, that description is exactly what you feel here. Yeah, you'll see in, on the weekends. You'll see families out here and the kids playing, running mm-hmm. between the vines and stuff, and oh, sitting around so the fire cool. pits in the evenings. It's neat. Yeah. yeah. So, capital was the number one big challenge. Um, the second one is definitely learning how to make excellent wine Mm. yeah there's a lot of wineries around here but i can't say there's a ton of great wineries in georgia they're getting there but Mm. they're getting there we're helping each other um the the two smartest things that i did was i hired a winemaking consultant to teach Mm. me the science and chemistry behind winemaking um uh i hired denise gardner uh out of pennsylvania she had a degree or has a degree in enology. She's she consults with other small wineries like ourselves, but also she's got some uh, some large clients in Napa too. So she really knows her stuff. And over almost six years, she's prepared me. You know, I, I feel we, we talk. We have a meeting every two weeks, and we sync up on all of our wines. But like, I go to the meeting fully prepped and like excited that like I have all our stuff together <laughs> and. I'm not behind the eight ball, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I've been very blessed to have another um, person join me in the winery who's my winemaking assistant, that's Diane, and uh, she worked um, at several wineries around uh, Nashville area. She has a degree in enology, and she really helped me step my game up. So how does one go about finding a Diane? Mm-hmm. I was living right. 
Um, <laughs> Diane literally bought a house about a mile and a half oh, away from yeah. the vineyard and winery. That's amazing. And she saw the vines, and she's like, oh, my gosh, i got to stop. And literally, that's how it started. Oh. Um, so great. she's a great, great addition. Uh, so, and then another difficult aspect about this industry is knowing um, what you need to know about the vineyard. So I hired a viticulturist. Uh, I hired Fritz Westover from Westover uh, Viticulture Research. Guy named Fritz. He's got to know how to plant vines. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, he's great. So Where is he from? He's out of Texas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he has had his uh, influence on, I would probably say, 99% of all the vineyards in Georgia. Uh, he comes out three times a year uh, to visit the vineyard um, during when we're pruning in late winter, early spring, uh, and then around um, or just before bud break, and then uh, when it's closer to harvest time. So he's helping. He's going out looking at the vineyard, and um, he's got an assistant now, um, Rachel, who uh, lives in Cartersville. So nice. she can come down and help out when we've got questions, uh, which is really nice. But there's just so much to know about the vineyard and the winery that mm -hmm. I had to hire somebody that you can't just Google it. You can't just read <laughs> books and do a good job. You have to have people that know, know what they're doing, what they're doing yeah. to, to guide you. And still, I mean, I'm at, you know, six years into this and I'm just now starting to feel kind of comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're six years into this. And then how many medals have you won so far? Mm, I don't know. I think maybe 10 or 11, something <laughs> like that. Um, and... Yeah. So we were talking, I'm going to get a little personal. We were talking right before we started, and his wife has um, been homeschooling their kids. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they help out. They do. Uh, my son cuts all the grass. Um, he has shown interest in winemaking. So 95% so cool. um, of winemaking is cleaning. So I started him at the ground, and he's been in the tanks right. cleaning and sanitizing tanks and equipment and all that. And it's like, this I is mean, where you have to start, son. His son is <laughs> so. a sponge. What other yeah. better way to learn about, like, science and nature yeah, and exactly. life and business owning and economy and, like, so gosh. The, the so reason cool. we bought this property 10 years ago was not to have a winery. It wasn't even a thought in our mind. Mm-hmm. It was because I grew up on a farm in Cumming, Georgia. Okay. And you learn things on farms you don't learn anywhere else. Absolutely. And I wanted my kids to experience that. You experience life and death mm -hmm. of animals and, mm -hmm. like, nature. And and now it's turned into this. And, like... Um, this is, like, the best schooling ever. Yeah. I want to come to school here. <laughs> I might drink all the products. She's going to get a permanent dunce hat. <laughs> <laughs> sit me in the corner the whole time stay away from the wine melissa <laughs> but all, all of my kids have really been sponges my oldest daughter um emma she's she listens to me as i give tours she listens to me in the tasting room as i walk people through wines mm -hmm. and just share our passion and then now she's like she's probably my top salesman behind Whoa. the bar because she? she lived it She's 19. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then my middle daughter, Claire, um, she helps greatly in the kitchen. Um, my son works in the kitchen, too, washing dishes. My wife handles all the social media. Hmm. So it's, uh, it's definitely a family business. And uh, uh, they, they recognize the amount of work that's gone into this. Mm -hmm. And the, the cool thing about it is, is we started with nothing but mm -hmm. an idea. And they've seen us and, ex and helped us and experience building a business from nothing. 
which is a very valuable thing oh, to know how to do. It, there's a mural. There's a mural in the back of the tasting room of all these pictures from when they started mm-hmm. to just recently. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty cool to see. And I know that, you know, you lost your dad last year, but mm-hmm. he, th- th- I know how you've talked several times to me about how awesome it was yep. to work this whole project mm-hmm. with him and planting mm-hmm. the vines and starting everything and exactly. being able to do that with his dad. And so it was more than just the family. Now it was some of, some of his other yep. family. And uh, exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a really cool place. It is. We, we've had a lot of family and friends, uh, you know, really support us in this, um, in this venture. A cool thing to note is three quarters of those, the vines we have planted here were planted by children. Oh. And, and so when we went Need to it. plant, we had a lot of friends who have a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they brought the kids. And I took time and showed them how to properly plant and then supervised them and kind of went behind them and tweaked them, you know, showed mm-hmm. them. And, uh, and they loved it. And then they come back now and they, and like, they get see to the fruits see of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cool. last year during harvest, my youngest daughter was, was home visiting. And I said, hey, do you want to go out? Um, want to go out to Three Strands and we'll go pick. We're picking uh, Blanc de Bois, uh, the mm-hmm. white grapes. And I said, you want to go out and pick grapes? They, oh, yeah. So she called a friend of hers who wanted to come with us, and we all came out here and picked grapes. And mm-hmm. my wife's like, you don't go, like, get excited and go work out in our yard. And I'm like, <laughs> that's because nothing that I do in our yard is going to turn into alcohol. Um, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but it, it was, it's fun because during harvest, all these people from around the community, mm. they want to come and pick grapes for the yeah. experience. And Jason's like, come and pick grapes. Come it's free labor. Exactly. Yes. Tell me next time. I'm but it, is, it is a lot of fun. And so you, you've not had fun until you stick your hand in the vines, yeah. grab a bunch of grapes, mm-hmm. pull them out. And there's these drunk honeybees. No. And they just get mad and buzz at you. I mean, all of us, none of us got stung. That I'm not saying you won't get stung. Okay. You could get stung. You could get stung, yeah, but they're so drunk. They're Stop like, they, it. They, fall they love, really are. Boom, run the ground. What? Because some of the grapes will get, are, are either have um, what they call oh sour, what do they call sour, sour rot? Sour rot. Yeah, yeah. or they just grapes that got a little ripe. Yeah. the cluster will get sour rot, so they burrow in there, oh and they God. start drinking it, and they just get drunk as a Wasted scum. bees. So. Oh my, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Where do you think buzz comes from? <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's a, it's a neat place. But it it's, it's, it's very rewarding. It's so, so, so hard, but it's very rewarding um, to go through all of that labor to, to be able to make some, a product that people enjoy. Mm-hmm. People enjoy this product? That's what I don't they believe tell me. you. Can I think you need to prove it. Can we, can we, can we please it? enjoy yeah, some? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let's do it. So I'll go over what I have here uh, this afternoon. I've got um, two of our new fruit wines. Um, we've uh, we've put about nine months of development into these fruit wines, and uh, we're getting pretty good at it. Um, we're getting pretty good at winemaking in general. So um, the nice thing about fruit wines is I'm able to make those in about a two month period, and um, so I wanted to do something different. Um, you know, we love blueberry and strawberry and blackberry wines and all that stuff, but I wanted to do something a little unique. Um, so I came up with uh, two fruit wines. One is a pineapple coconut, uh, mm. which I call train wreck. Yum. Um, it's very smooth, very good, uh, very um, balanced blend of, of pineapple and coconut. Think pina colada 
when you drink it. Okay. Um, and then I did a coconut lime uh, fruit wine called The Girl from Ipanema. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, I know I name most of my wines after Sinatra and Rat Pack songs. Mm. Uh, so The Girl from Ipanema uh, is a song um, that uh, Dean Martin sings that I absolutely love. And uh, so that's where some of the names come from. Trainwreck uh, came from a, a friend of mine um, who uh, was telling me that I should uh, name my wines after historical events uh, in, in the county. And I'm like, you know what? That's oh, actually a great idea. That's a great idea. And he's like, he's like, you know what? Like two miles that way, there was a big train wreck in the early 1900s. He's like, how about train wreck? And I'm like, that is a perfect that name. Works. Um, so yeah, we have you've got one more fruit wine coming soon too. I do. You? I'm working on a peach mango. Um, Ooh. and that's called take my money. Yeah. Because it's really good, and I think people are just going to be like, I don't care what Taking it costs, just take bottles. my money, just give yes. me a bottle of it. <laughs> You're going to sell so, out. Yeah. So we have those two. Um, I just uh, bottled a Pinot Noir Rosé, uh, which is getting really, really good reviews. And then What's we the name have, of that one? Uh, yep, yeah, thank you. Mm. Yeah. That's called Luck Be a Lady, another Sinatra Rat Pack song. And then I have Body and Soul, which Ooh. is a Teraldigo varietal. That's an Italian varietal. Mm. Um, it has a lot of red fruit flavors in it, and it's very thick and chewy. I think this Ooh. is my favorite of his new wines right it, now. It is, it what is do you, good. It is good. That's the name of it, Terral? That's the name of the, the vine itself. Okay. Um, so like Cabernet Sauvignon, yes. Merlot, et cetera. Okay. It's Teraldigo. Um, the name of it's Body and Soul because okay. it's just got a lot of good body and soul. Again, a, a Sinatra song. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the last wine that I have is called Just in Time. This is our estate Crimson Cabernet, which are, are our reds. And uh, this was bottled um, about three weeks ago. So this is our mm. 2022 vintage. Okay. Um, but I'm not making it available yet because I want to bottle age it for a little while. It's still kind of young. Okay. So yeah, we'll go through them. So uh, I want to plug the 2021 vintage did pretty good. Is yep. that the one you helped bottle? Well, oh, yeah, that's why but it's bringing it up. No, it's not. Yeah. I was not even, I was not even, I was not even going to say it. I was not even going to say it. Jake did most of it. I was about to say, let's just go ahead and get it on the table. Jake and Doug helped bottle this wine. There okay. we go. Probably but, why it great. won. Best red vinifera. Definitely the uh, reason Aurora. why. Yeah. Because yeah, Doug and Best Jake. red hybrid in Georgia last year. So yeah. Definitely all because yeah. you Did bottled you it. Best in Georgia. Yeah. The whole damn I state. I believe that. And it wasn't because of Jake and I, but that, I know. that helped. It pushed it over the finish. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and, and try these. We'll okay. start uh, with the train wreck. So, one of the things that um, we've tried to do since we opened is have a really good selection of wine for all customers because some customers love dry, some customers love sweet, some customers love red, some customers love rosé, some customers love whites. It's, it's all, they all differ. So we try to have something for everyone. So what I was shooting for here um, with Trainwreck, this pineapple coconut wine, is for the sweet wine lovers. The dry reds, dry white, wine lovers probably won't like it um but it has a really nice aroma some people immediately pick out the coconut some people immediately pick out the pineapple 
Um, it depends on your olfactory senses. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, we spent about nine months developing this and tweaking the fermentation protocols to make a great wine. And um, these two, along with the, um, the uh, peach mango, is what we're going to start doing some distribution in this year. Yep. So. Yeah, so if you live within a couple county radius of here, Sometime in the next few weeks, you may start seeing these pop up at local liquor stores. Mm-hmm. This definitely tastes yeah. like a pina colada. Yeah. yeah, you like it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody you like getting caught in the rain? Uh huh. <laughs> I do. Exactly. Especially in my Jeep. Hey, Kristen. Want to come grab? Come to snatch taste? a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. As she jumps in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Oh, save those glasses for us. I took them somewhere over Give there. Give me that well, glass back. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Ooh, almost knocked the thing over. Anybody else that's watching want a glass of this? You want to try? <laughs> Do you Bring them over. Watch the cord. Yeah, watch the cord, watch the camera. We got an entourage with us today, so. I yeah, it's amazing what it. happens when I'm you. Sorry, I should have given when you, you go to a vineyard. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's amazing when you say you're going to record at a vineyard, how many people show up oh, to right. watch you do it. They don't care about our podcast until today. <laughs> so Thanks. while we're on uh, these wines, one of the things I want to uh, talk about is bottle shock. Okay. Um, so one thing most people don't realize is um, during the winemaking process, you're, you're pumping wine from tanks to tanks to, to do what's called racking, which clarifies the wine. So... Um, after fermentation is complete, you settle the wine, so a lot of the sediment falls to the bottom. You then pump out the wine, leaving the sediment behind. That's a, a clarification step. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that a couple times, but at some point you go through filtration um, and just pumping the wine, pumping it through the filters. Um, going through the bottling line, it rips the molecules of the wine apart. So. When, I'm decide, when I decide a wine is, is ready to bottle, it's in the tank, and it's been sitting there for a while, okay. right? And um, so I'm like, okay, cool. I want to bottle it. We go through. To bottle it, you've got to pump it. You've got to filter it, um, and you've got to prepare it for bottling and then go to the bottling line. Well, because that rips the molecules apart, as soon as it's bottled, it doesn't taste like the wine that I tasted in the tank. Mm-hmm. So we always keep our wines at least two weeks um, before we make them available to the public because that gives time for the molecules to come back together mm. and um, cohere back into the wine that it was in the tank. Wow. Um, really, you should probably leave it for about a month, but I typically get really excited about my wines <laughs> and I want people to enjoy them, so I don't want to wait ready. that long. Yeah. But just this tra- uh, train wreck has changed a lot um, in the few weeks, few weeks since we've bottled it. Um, honestly, it's, it's 13.2% ABV, um, which is pretty high it for is. wine. Yeah. What's Beca- the average? Be- What's like the Twelves. Okay. Yeah, yeah. usually twelves. Um, because I'm so maniacal with the quality of my wine... <laughs> The next fermentation, I'm probably going to keep it down in the 12s. Okay. Um, 
because I really taste the alcohol in this in this wine. You do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. But uh, tasting this wine, and I, I, I got, you know, I was lucky enough that I tasted this wine when he was doing the research, you know, mm-hmm. doing his research and development on it. Tasted it in the tanks and then tasted it when he first bottled it. And from when he first bottled it and started selling it a few weeks ago to now, and I don't know if this makes sense or not, but when I first tasted it, it was all about the fruit. Mm. And to me, it tastes a little bit more like wine now than it did just yeah. the fruit in your face yeah. fruit. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why, how come you get to be up here so much tasting and doing all this stuff? What are you doing? It, these things happen. Whatever. That's... You never invite me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move to Paulding. Never. I don't think Paulding's ready for you. <laughs> no, they'd kick me out so fast. <laughs> so what else did you bring? So... Next, let's try Luck Be a Lady. This is our okay. Pinot Noir Rosé. So, so the ABV on this is 11.9, so okay. it's even below below 12. Okay. Um, for my rosés, um, this is my second rosé. Uh, the last one we had um, was just tremendous. Uh, it kind of tasted like a, a, a strawberry Jolly Rancher, drinking a strawberry Jolly Rancher. Um, so... <laughs> When I made that wine, I added a very, very small amount of sugar because my strategy for this is I wanted dry wine lovers to like it. I'm going to stay up close to that Yes, stay up. And I wanted sweet wine lovers to like it. Okay. So I did the same exact thing with this wine. I added half a percent of sugar, which is a very, very small amount. Uh, And it was just enough to, um, you know, really expose and, and... uh, promote a lot of the flavors that are in the wine to begin with. It just, it really accentuates it. So, um, really proud of this. We've gotten a lot of really good reviews over the last couple of weeks since we've made it available. Okay. Um, we'll get you a clean, clean glass here. What? Explain what a rosé is. So a rosé is, um, so there's two, there's two types of, <laughs> Two types of wine. One is a rosé, one is a blush. Mm-hmm. A rosé is made from red grapes, and usually, would you ladies like some? <laughs> so let me back up a minute. So when you make a red wine, you go through and you crush the berries, and you ferment the wine on the grape skins. Okay. And when you do that... Um, the, the juice in the red berries is actually white, but as you ferment on the skins, um, it macerates and it extracts the colors out of the red skins. Okay. So red wine gets this red color from the skins. Okay. For um, a rosé, you go through and um, crush the stem the grapes, and you're leaving the wine on the skins for a very limited amount of time. Okay. That amount of time differs depending on depending on the varietal because some wine skins will extract more colors faster than faster. others. Okay. So the winemaker has to, you know, uh, do some tests and understand, you know, beforehand how long he wants to to let the skins touch the wine. Okay. But that's where it gets this red color, but it's pale, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. all rosés have different color ranges some are pink some are a little off orange mm-hmm. some are ruby like yeah you know um it just depends on the winemaker considered ruby and... yeah kind of yeah yeah it kind of is that i color usually feel like rosé is yeah. less more pink yeah 
So this is, a, I call it an off dry. So it's not a full dry because I added half a percent of sugar back. Um, okay. But it's, again, just enough to accentuate the flavors and uh, has a really That's nice. What I like aroma. about this rosé is a lot of rosés are um, oh weak. My God, they don't have a ton of flavor, and this has, there's a lot going on. There's it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, it's light, but it's got a lot of flavor. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, rich. Can you call it like light, full-bodied or something? Yeah. It kind of is. It's kind of a, maybe yeah. a medium-bodied. Okay. Yeah, it's between a light and medium-bodied. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's delicious. Um, thank you. It's like thank a poolside. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm taking one of these for this weekend. I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm going to buy a case. That's fine. That sounds great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> It does. So, Yum. yeah, rosés are great for summertime. Real quick, do you have mm -hmm. a wine membership? We do. We um, have a really cool wine club, So, um, and it's really grown um, over the past six months. So wine club right now is um, free to join. Okay. Uh, when you join, you get 10% uh, off everything, every visit. Um and we have a three, six, and 12 bottle club. Okay. And so basically what you're committing to is, is one year in either a three, six, or 12, you choose. And we do releases quarterly. So I'm trying to get new wines out quarterly. Okay. Um, and uh, it's been really cool. We did, um, we, we're starting to have some really awesome wine club dinners. Ooh. Doug actually helped me with one last yeah. year where he cooked um, and smoked some ribs, which were the best ribs I've ever had in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Literally. You know, I'm not just saying that because Doug's sitting here. They were literally that good. He did I, win I, a barbecue something, didn't you? I've, I've done well with him, but I will say this, that, and, and Joseph, his son, was with me the whole day, just so, again, he's a sponge, soaking up mm. everything about it. That was the best batch of ribs I've ever made. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, it, it just, they, it, it was everything lined up that day, and they yeah. just came out. That was I the best batch I've ever made, and it was... Uh, yeah, they were good. And the ladies, the ladies in the um, in Get the cafe you. here, they did the sides and they they knocked mm. it out of the park. They just did a great job. When's the next one? And we'll get into that in a minute too. Okay. We we've, we've got a great menu yes. out here, yes. um, and we can we can um, touch on that in a minute. But um, so we started out. That was our first big wine club dinner, and it was a huge success. Um, and since then, um, we've had various wine club parties. And the girls kind of challenge themselves in the cafe mm. <laughs> on hors d'oeuvres and stuff. I mean, cool. they really keep stepping up their game. Mm. So we'll have, uh, in fact, I think it's next week, we're having a, a wine oh, club par shit. party to, to introduce the new members. And kind of what's funny, the dynamics of the wine club is like, because we've had enough events now, like um, people at the wine club are good friends. So mm -hmm. when they come out to the winery, they see each other and they hang out. And now they're mm -hmm. kind of doing things together. So um, this next wine club event, um, I'm pretty sure it's next week, is, is to introduce the new wine club members. Is it on a Friday It's night? Thursday night. It's Thursday. Mm -hmm. And I'll be here. Yeah, you're a new wine club member. I finally yeah. joined. Yeah, exactly. So the, three, the, the, the different levels of commitment is great for people who are in other wine clubs because I, I am in other wine clubs and the mm -hmm. bottles are always coming in. Yeah. And being able to join a club and, and I only had to commit to three bottles a quarter. Yeah. You know, because it's, it does get tough drinking all the, all the wine that comes <laughs> in your hand. I don't know if I'd have any problem away. with that. And you have a million girls to share Return with. my calls, Michelle, but, and then maybe I'll... Oh. <laughs> 
Are you <laughs> shipping? Do you ship it? We don't yet. Not I did yet. get my shipping license. Okay. Um, and I like to do things very well before I move on Good. to like next big things. Sure, sure. So I did secure my license, okay. um, and we've we've got it wired through Vino Vino Shipper to turn it on. Okay. Um, but we wanted to get Wine Club established, and most of the people that are in Wine Club, just about a hundred percent, are all local. So it actually saves them money. We have yeah. pickup parties. Yeah. So. Um, uh, when we do a release, you know, they we email them ahead of time. Hey, we're going to have a pickup party, and they could come in that day or you know a couple mm-hmm. days later and pick it up. Fun. And uh, that way, it saves us on shipping. Shipping is very expensive these it days. Is. Yeah. It is so, so that's kind of I kind of backed off of pursuing shipping for the yeah. moment um, because our wine club members are local, and it's like why charge them? Yeah. You know. 30 or 40 bucks to ship something a couple of miles. Yeah. It just, it didn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, Doug, you could pick up mine and just bring them Wednesday mornings for me. Yeah, please. You may drink it before you get you it. You better though. not. <laughs> All right. What do we have next? So we need some more glasses. Actually, I'm just going to yeah. commit a cardinal sin. Oh, yeah. What is Actually, that's not a cardinal no. sin because sommeliers do it all the time. You could drink yeah. it, right? Otherwise, otherwise, they would get I'm, drunk all the time yeah. from drinking too much wine. Mm-hmm. So. The next wine is called Body and Soul. This is the Toraldigo. This wine is a, uh, a very thick wine. Um, when you swirl it around in the glass, it leaves a, fi- a, a purple film. Mm-hmm. When you drink it, your lips are going to turn purple and Uh-oh. your teeth are going to turn purple. Oh, boy. However, it is really chewy. It has some really nice... Come on up, ladies. It has some really nice... Um, <laughs> red fruit flavors and aromas to it um and it is just a really good wine not super it has some tannins it's not super high in tannins tell um, tell what about but it's tannins. more of a medium body people wine. that don't know what tannins are sure so when you dr- when you drink a wine um sorry i want to concentrate so i don't spill it yeah and you get that dry mouth feel mm-hmm. um that's what tannins are doing is that what gives you a headache no. Okay. Sulfites give you the headache. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that and histamines and okay. other stuff. Okay. So, um, so you've got light-bodied wines. You've mm-hmm. got medium-bodied wines. You get um, full-bodied wines. Full-bodied okay. wines are typically really high in acids. Okay. Really high in tannins, and they're really bold. What would that be like a Cabernet? Um, it could be a Cabernet. Okay. Uh, Merlots are typically okay. pretty pretty full-bodied wines. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so this has some tannins. It, 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 um, almost all red wines have tannins. Um, you get tannins from grape skins okay. and you can also impart tannins through oaking. Um, so extracts it from the barrels. So depending on how the wine, you know, was made, it'll have more or less tannins, but this is a, I would not classify this as a bold wine. This is a medium bodied wine. Um, you know, nice acids, not super high. But man, just yeah. I classify this as a delicious wine. Delicious mm, wine, exactly. Yeah, this is one of the best reds I've ever had. That's very Yeah, I wish you could see the ladies' faces. They're like, yeah. "That's delicious." It is. It is. Um, can you tell? So we so we found out that whiskey has legs, yep. just like wine. Yep. And is that so, what's telling you how many tannin, how much tannins in it? I forget what the tan- legs mean. T- the the legs of a wine typically indicate, s- to some extent, the alcohol. 
Okay. In it. Um, okay. Not necessarily the tannins. But I've I've taken some wines high in alcohol and swirled them around and didn't really get many legs. And I've taken wines lower in alcohol and swirled around and got legs. So I I'll, I'll be real honest. I'm not sure. Really? It's just exactly. fun. It's just fun to say legs. And yeah. <laughs> legs and tannins and yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. This is delicious. I'm taking one of these bottles as well. Yeah. This is just. Man, it's just I can't say enough so things about yeah, it. Is this what you were drinking earlier, Kristen? Oh, this is my favorite. Yeah, this is the one I said of all the new ones. This is my favorite. Um, I re- one of my favorite wines is Tempranillo. Oh, I love Tempranillo. I love Tempranillo. So when you, what's the name of this one again? Not T- the Toraldigo. Toraldigo, mm-hmm. and it's from Italy. Mm-hmm. Okay. This 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 grape was from Lodi. So one of the, this would be something good to talk about. So we've been growing pretty fast in the two years we've been open. Um, we're making wine for um, other vineyards and tasting rooms. Oh, cool. And because of that, our production has gone way up. Cool. Um, as of now, we're just this year, we're over, I want to say about 53,000 bottles of wine that we've produced and made. Um, so to be able to scale to that, um, I had to hire a bottling truck. Oh, this mm. thing's so cool. Dude. It's actually a trailer. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, they, uh, they pull up, hook to our tanks, and we're loading bottles onto the conveyor belt as fast as we're pulling them wow. off and casing them. Um, they can do about so 2,000 awesome. bottles an hour. Um, so three weeks ago, uh, one day we bottled about 10,000 bottles, and the next day we bottled just under 7,000 bottles. Wow. In about six hours what? so um the company that uh is the bottling truck is curry vineyards they're they're a great crew i mean I, I love them to death they're just they're amazing they're very humble they're very professional they're they, easygoing are they from up by tacoa they are they're yeah. up in tacoa yeah and uh so they've been investing in some vineyards uh out in lodi california mm-hmm. um to be quite honest, there are not enough grapes in Georgia. There's just not. Um, so they're a good source to bring in fruit now uh, to make the tempranillos like or like this. Or, yeah, or whatever they bring in. Whatever. Can you make tempranillos if they bring it in? Oh, yeah. If I get the fruit, I can make wine out of any fruit. Yep, cool. exactly. Another wine that I love is a Montepulciano. Oh, I haven't that. I like it because it's fun to say. <laughs> but it's a really good Italian wine, too. Okay. I, I recommend you start saying that wine at the beginning of the evening. Because, yes. Yeah. Because then you're like, yeah. what are you saying? Um, the it's tempran- like, uh, Montepulciano. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I like Tempranillo. Yeah. But also it tastes just like, it has like a smoky taste most of the time. Or Sometimes. like a peppery, pepper. So that depends on what oak. Okay. Um, and, um, and what, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, what char? Okay. The oak was was placed ah, under. Okay. So yeah, because I've had some that taste way different than others. Yeah. 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 So there are three main oaks that you can oak a wine with: uh, French, American, and Hungarian. Um, American's the cheapest. French is next most affordable, and then Hungarian's typically the most expensive. Mm. Mm. Um, I like to use French oak. Uh, for my reds, um, because it typically imparts some spicy notes into the wine. Mm. So for my reds, I really like uh, some nice spicy aromas and flavors in it. 
um, in addition to just the natural flavors that are in the wine. And I also like um, smoky tobacco-y flavors mm-hmm. uh, imparted into the wine. Very subtle. Yes. Not like you're drinking, you're smoking a cigar right. or not like you're drinking a barrel of wood. Right. Um, that's the balance that the winemaker uh, puts into the wine by, you know, unfortunately having every, you know, every week to taste it and see where it is. But uh, if it's oaked properly, it's very well balanced. It's very subtle uh, on the aromas and on the flavors. But to get that, that tobacco-y, smoky mm-hmm. flavors, mm-hmm. Uh, I go with a heavy toast okay. on the oak. Okay. Um, and sometimes I mix untoasted, which they call barrelhead oak, um, with toasted. So mm-hmm. untoasted oak tends to impart some vanilla flavors into the Yum. wine. Whereas the toasted imparts the tobacco-y flavors and, and other flavors, too. You've got different toast levels. You have no toast. You've got medium. Um, you've got heavy. So the winemaker is able to choose uh, those different levels depending on what he's wanting to do mm-hmm. with the wine ultimately. Very mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So we got any more? <laughs> <laughs> We've got one last one. What's your um, favorite type of wine, Doug? Uh, what we just drank. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I, um, it's delicious. No, I like, it really is. I like reds. I don't like super, super dry yeah. reds. Um, I love Pinot Noir for an mm-hmm. everyday drinker. Um, I like cabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if there's a couple of petite Verdots that I really like, they're good with a uh, cigar. Yeah. And you know I like to smoke a cigar. We like the cigars. But, we do. Um, and I like my red wine with cigars. This, um, now, this one is getting better each time I try it, the one he's getting ready to do. And this okay. is the one that won the, the medals last year, Sheesh. and I really did enjoy that one. The one we just had, ha- did that win a medal? Um, we just released this about a month and a half oh, ago, so I haven't submitted it for competition yet. It is. I think so. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so this next wine is called Just in Time. Mm-hmm. This is our estate red. Um, and so when we planted the vineyard, um, I wanted, I like to be different than everybody else. Um, so I could have said, all right, I'm going to plant Norton or I'm going to plant Lenoir. Uh, which is the typical red grape that you find planted in Georgia, or at least in West Georgia. But I wanted to be different, and there was this varietal called Crimson Cabernet that was available. Um, and it was it's a hybrid. It's a cross between Cabernet Sauvignon and Norton. Um, so you get a lot of the cab flavors, but you get the disease tolerancy of the Norton grape, which has mm. some uh, Native American qualities to it. Mm. And so um, I was one of two people in Georgia that even had this and one of about, I think three people in all of the Southeast that had the, the vine. But I'm, I'm glad I, I took the risk because it's, um, it's making some really good red wine. I can pour it while I talk. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you can um, do that. <laughs> so I've had some challenges with this wine. Um, and it'll be kind of fun to talk through them here because it just kind of becomes the whole wine. It makes the winemaking process very real. Mm-hmm. I think to people. So, um, ladies are coming. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Come on up. <laughs> Fill your glass up. He's the Pied Piper. So, <laughs> I'll talk first about harvest. So, when harvest time comes, um, what am I looking at to know when to harvest? I'm looking at pH. I'm looking at um, the acids uh, in the grape. 
Um, I'm looking at the color of the seeds, um, the, the taste. Uh, there are a number of variables that I'm looking at. I'm looking at the bricks, which is the content of the, sh the, sh or the sugar content of the grape. Mm -hmm. And um, so typically when we harvest this, um, we harvest at around 22 to 23 bricks, which is the sugar level. Um, and I really try to push it until the beginning of October because I want the acids to come down. Um, so once we harvest and get it into the winery, um, I'll kick off fermentation. And what I've learned over the last three years making this wine is um, when we harvest, the pH is around 3.4, 3.5, which is a good pH to be at. It goes through primary fermentation, which means it converts all of the sugar in the wine, which mm. is measured in bricks, into alcohol. Mm. Well, I also run all my reds through a subsequent fermentation called malolactic fermentation. And what that does is it converts the malic acids into lactic acids. And so what that means is it just gives the wine um, uh, a better mouthfeel. It rounds out the mm -hmm. mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. um, and to run it through malolactic fermentation, you use bacteria. Uh, the bacteria is really expensive for like a huge tank of wine. The bacteria looks like little, little balls of styrofoam that fit in your hand. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, $400 worth. No, shoot. Yeah. So <laughs> you kick off malolactic fermentation. Well, it's pretty slow. It usually takes about a month. So what's happening is, is it goes through primary, um, the pH stays around 3.5, but I'm noticing that I have a, a really bad potassium uptake in the vineyard into the clusters. Mm. And what happens is, is when it goes through malolactic fermentation, the pH goes through the roof. It goes mm. up to like 4.1, 4.2. So why is that important? Um, it's important because of microbial stability of the wine. The higher the pH, the less microbial stability you have in the wine. Mm. Once you get past 3.7, um, you start having to do jump through some special hoops to make sure you're maintaining that microbial stability. So what I've been doing, I've been working with a group called um, Crucible Ag. Um, I'm using their... Uh, foliar liquid fertilizers the last couple of years and they've been coming out taking um, petiole samples, leaf samples in the vineyard throughout the growing season to, to measure that potassium and then make amendments to get that potassium out so that when we start primary fermentation we don't start with as much potassium. So the potassium is what's mm. making the pH go through the roof. Interesting. So that's some of the challenges we're working through. And you got to do it year over year. And you have to measure and you have to, you know, um, it, it just takes a while to work through it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's some of the challenges in making this wine is mm -hmm. because the pH. And, and I did some, uh, some things in the winery to lower the pH. This ended up, I think, around 3.9. Um, okay. My goal this year is to get it back down to 3.7. So, so where did you get so. the name just in time? Oh, man, that was a stress, uh, through stress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, it's another Sinatra song. However, the reason I named it just in time is because um, three weeks before we opened, uh, I had a kidney stone 
and oh. I'm prone to getting kidney stones, unfortunately. Uh-oh. And so three weeks before we opened, I still hadn't bottled. And so I had to go to the mm. hospital. I'm mm. sitting in my recliner, kind of recuperating. And I'm like, all right, mm. I've got to go through and do my final SO2 calculations and went through it and m- made a mistake. I was able to, to fix it. But anyway, because of all mm. that happening, like I got that bottle just in time, just like, in time. About, a, about, about a week before we opened wow. and it really still didn't have time to go through full bottle shock. And this one, but that's why I chose that name. That's a great name yeah. and a great story. Why? And yeah. this one won a medal. It did. I got a gold medal and wow. uh, best red hybrid in Georgia last year. Am I wrong to say I taste like a little bit of floral? Mm, Am I tasting? It differs. Yeah. It differs for everyone. Yeah. But so I aged this. Not? I aged this mm. on um, heavy toasted French oak. Because I wanted the spicy flavors, yeah. I wanted the um, smoky tobaccoy flavors. This is still going through um, bottle shock, but you you should because this is your newest and, one. And, yeah, exactly. Okay, you should get some spicy notes from it. Yeah. Um, okay, let me try again. I need to taste again. it because <laughs> you taste a little floral. You smell the pepper. Pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I smell sugar, but I don't taste sugar. Yeah, there's no sugar in it. <laughs> So, when you choose the malolactic mm. bacteria, yeah. that also can impart flavors. So, Chardonnays mm. typically have a buttery flavor. I love that it. comes because they ran those wines through malolactic fermentation. Oh. And so, the bacteria that I chose for this, again, has some spicy, peppery notes to uh-huh. it. And so. I taste that at the end, mm-hmm. but then at the beginning, I taste like a floral. What do you taste? Don't be oh, looking at me like that. No, I, I love all the spice. Give me and dirty looks The spice the and the tobacco and that, I taste all that. But that's, <laughs> We're about yeah, to fight. <laughs> I don't even know what she's Listen, talking about. this has been PG this whole time. I just want to fight Doug right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a medium-bodied wine. So this is, and I have a lot of people that have come to me in the two years we've been open that have drank this wine. They're like, I don't like red wines, but I love this. And here's why. It's because it's a very approachable, medium-bodied wine. Mm-hmm. They're used to drinking like Merlots. Mm-hmm. They're heavy in tannins, heavy in acids, very bold. And they don't like them, but they're yeah. like, yeah, I could drink this with a steak. Definitely. All day, or hamburger or whatever, all day long. Um, See, so. I'm used to Merlots, so I'm like, oh, this tastes so light to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this is good. I definitely like the first red one we did. Mm-hmm. My favorite so far. Yeah, the body and soul, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This is still young. It just okay. needs some bottle age to it. Okay. And it's better to age it in the bottle because it's well protected okay. than in a tank. Makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So fantastic cool. wines. Yeah. This And this is happening in Paulding County in Georgia. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's beautiful out here. Seriously. The whole place is beautiful. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So I like to um, kind of wrap things up each episode and talk a little bit about... Um, kind of how you give back Mm -hmm. some of the charities or some of the organizations and that that you're involved in. Um, Anything near and dear to your heart these days? Uh, Rotary, certainly. (laughs) Uh, Rotary is a commitment, but it's a commitment that um, I love. I love the, you know, not only the camaraderie, but like, you know, the the various initiatives throughout the year that we all come together um, to touch people in the community is... uh, 
certainly near and dear to my heart. One of the biggest, um, probably the most impactful thing that we've done was uh, handing out the the books to the kids mm. and the lunches last year. Um, and uh, it's it's suffice to say that I I didn't know children um, in Paulding County lived in situations like that. Mm. And it, it's it, it's um, sad is not the right word. It's, it's even worse than sad. Yeah. Um, and to see their eyes light up when you give them a book. Mm. I mean, it was like giving them, you know, $2,000 for Christmas or something. I mean, they're, they're just like, they're so happy to get just this simple book. And, uh, so that means the world to me. Um, we support a lot and it's a hard decision because, um, but we support a lot of, uh, charities each year. We have a lot of charities come to us and ask for support. Um, we're, we're still just kind of getting started, so I can't afford all of them, hmm. but we're pretty, um, deliberate about the ones that we do support. Um, and, uh, it's kind of part of it. Like the, the, the community has supported us, so it's only right to, to give back and support the community. Yeah. And I really just want to do even more from here at, as best we can and still, you know, stay afloat. Yeah. And, and, well, and Rotary is how Jason and I met. That's how yeah. we became yeah. friends. Well, and, um, yeah. and I want to thank you because you guys supported my nonprofit, which mm-hmm. is Healing Our Heroes, and yep. sponsored a wine tasting night. Yeah, that was a that, lot of fun. Yeah, that was so fun. fun. It helped mm-hmm. us raise a little bit of money. And we're such a small nonprofit that, mm-hmm. like, we don't even know how to go ask companies for money and so Doug so you send Doug yeah I didn't even ask Doug <laughs> Doug no did idea that was coming. that yeah. was the sweetest thing cool. and when we pulled up um you have parking spots for veterans mm-hmm. why yeah. do you have are you are are you for a veteran or? no for our freedom that's right all right it's like yeah you know it's just like uh you know, Law enforcement, firemen, yeah. teachers—they don't—they don't make enough. They right. don't like they're—they're yeah. they're, they're very sacrificial, absolutely, with their lives, with their families, with their times. And yeah. it's like if I can provide two spots yeah. uh, for veterans, I'm going to do it. They, they get they, the they VIP absolutely spots. It. It's they, they love it. Yeah, and I'm happy to do it. That's yeah. amazing. So, absolutely. So if uh, people want to find these ridiculous ridiculously good wines, mm-hmm. <laughs> where uh, where can they find you online, and where can they find them in person? So, um, threestrandsvineyard.com is our website. And, um, I would also encourage, uh, listeners to follow us on Facebook. It's three strands vineyard on Facebook, also on Instagram. Um, we have a really strong social presence. Uh, my wife does a fabulous job every day of pushing out new content, new events that we have coming up. Um, wine club, which is called the good life. Nice, by the way, um, nice. which is another, another Sinatra song, yes, which so I, I love, names. I love, <laughs> um, we're sitting in the Sinatra space, by the way, in our, our private event space. Oh yeah. You didn't um, mention that the private event space. Yeah. You can rent yeah, this we, space. You can, um, it includes inside and outside seating, um, mm-hmm. inside we can seat, uh, about 40 very comfortably cool. with food. Um, outside is about I want to say about 24 more seats. Actually, no, more about 30 because we've got some stools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a beautiful, uh, classy 
executive, very. but laid back venue. Yeah. Um, and you can see the fireplace and, you know, it really is beautiful. Us. It's yeah. simple, beautiful, classy, all that, yeah. what you just said. Absolutely. We've had everything from birthday parties to a couple weeks ago, we had a 50th uh, wedding anniversary. We've mm. had celebrations of life in here. We've mm. had corporate events. Um, it, over the past month and a half, we've had it booked at least one time a week, but sometimes twice a week. So, um, most of our advertising, social media, and word of mouth. So, um, our, our, it's it's even though we finished it up a little over a year ago, it, people are starting to see it, and it's really starting to get rented out. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, very often. So, uh, if you're interested in that. Uh, would be be glad we've got some really nice trifold pamphlets that outline um everything that comes with it the pricing so um and i did want to touch on our uh, our vineyard cafe yes um it's important for us you know um when you come here not only to enjoy wines great wines and and great friends but also have a great menu to choose from um so we have some just wonderful flatbreads sandwiches charcuterie um desserts delicious and the ladies in the the cafe are just constantly coming up with new 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 uh menu items and i'm I'm really proud of what they do um i i, I really want to brag on them um, because again it's all about recreating what we saw in napa mm -hmm. and uh you know we're very um fussy about the presentation and everything like when you get it it's like wow like it's, it's got the wow factor you've done it like so. even it's out like you wouldn't i don't come out here very often doug was like oh there's people that like talk bad about paulding county <laughs> i'm not ever talking bad about it but i would never expect to find a vineyard as beautiful as yours out here and you well, have you. definitely made a place look like like Napa it's it feels Thank like you. home for me I'm from California so it feels yeah. like home yeah. and I want to finish on what your name means because some mm. of us were asking earlier yeah absolutely so um three strands uh the name came from a bible verse um Ecclesiastes 412 and uh it's basically you know to summarize it is um you know three strands make the strongest chord so uh, it's basically a symbol of, of our faith and uh, in God and um, and our belief, like it's our relationship between me, and my wife, and, and God. So we felt that was very suitable, um, a suitable name, and it rolls off the tongue really nice. It and, does. Uh, so yeah, that's how it's we that's how we came up with it. Well, we can't thank you enough for yeah. uh, for letting us use the space today and uh, for being on and. Um, wanted to remind people that if you have any questions comments uh suggestions whatever you can reach us at whiskey after work podcast at gmail.com if you're following us uh let us know we're going to do a drawing and um 100 followers and uh we're gonna give away a bottle of blantons um so three strands i'll donate a bottle of three strands okay <laughs> i'll jump on the bandwagon to, all right so to melissa I'm turning 40 August 1st. So we'll do a double drawing. Doug. So we'll do a bottle Doug. of Blanton's and we'll do a bottle of uh, Three Strands wine. So send it in. He doesn't want me to say it on. What? Doug, for my birthday, I want a membership to Three Strands. It's free. No, but I want <laughs> you to she send me wine. She wants you to pay wine. for the Three Bottle Club. Yeah, the yeah. Three Bottle Club yeah, is okay. stupid. I'll, I'll think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, th thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Thanks for letting us no, use the space. For, and, thanks uh, for having me. Loved having you guys out. Um, this is great. And um, 
you know, I really like, you know, seeing where you guys are going with whiskey after work. Uh, you're, you're killing it. So, uh, Oh, we almost forgot. Uh, July 27th, yes. we're doing a whiskey after yes. work event and Jason said we, we could do some wine tastings there. And, uh, <gasps> Yep. And we're going to probably have a, a local distillery there too, so cool. it should be a good time. It's going to be a uh, Winter Street um, Studios in Square Marietta. Look on social media uh, in the coming weeks for more information on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, until the next time, guys, cheers! Cheers! Yeah, cheers.